feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. Roll up, son. You gotta just do it, yo. Yeah, man. Yo, roll up, man. It's a different channel, son. Roll up, on, man. Roll up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Roll up, all good, baby, in every hood, son. Roll up, yeah. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Network Street niggas is grown men. Bold face, got in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime late. Cast more beef than Scarface. This call is now being recorded. Yo, yo, I'm in the building with the Channel 10 podcast, all in your area. Shout out to all of the subscribers, all of the listeners. We appreciate you. We appreciate that you appreciate us, and you can appreciate us more by going to channel10podcast.com, where we... Now have articles and other content as well as the podcast. Thanks to Sin God in the building. Yeah. Um, yeah, so check out the website. Check out the rap evolution of Gucci Mane. Check out some other things that we have that are coming up real soon. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on SoundCloud, Stitcher, all of that. And, yeah. Um... I guess the first thing that I want to get into is, um, rest in peace to Chinks, man. It's crazy. Like, I looked on Twitter and I saw that Chinks was a trending topic world, or, um, I said, I'm not sure about worldwide, probably worldwide, but at least in, in the United States, Chinks was the number one trending topic. And when I saw that, I knew it couldn't be good. And, you know, the news came out. Um, I just actually read an article that said he got shot 15 times. Damn. And um, his homeboy got shot up, and he's in uh, critical condition right now. And, um, yeah, man, this one, like, this one kind of hit me. I don't know about you. Um, You said that you weren't up on Shanks much. Uh, no, no, um, no, not like that, um, I kind of just heard, like, you know, little bits and pieces of, um, what happened to him, um, all throughout the week, uh, pretty much for the past, what, two, three days, hmm. how long has it been? Um, I don't know, man, my days be so long, it has probably been about three days, I think it was like, it was Sunday, yeah, yeah, matter of fact, I found out Sunday morning, so yeah, it was like, like, that night into morning when it happened, I think they said that he had just performed at a Brooklyn club and then went to some little hookah lounge or something, and that's when it happened. But, um... Damn, hookah lounge of all places. Yeah, yeah, man, it's crazy. But, um, I don't know, like, when I, when I, um, when I heard that, it just took me back to, like, you know, high school days. I don't know if you remember Riot Squad. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like, you know, you had stack bundles. You had Chinks Drugs. His name was Chinks Drugs back in the day. You had Bino and maybe a couple of other people. And, um, you know, stack bundles was the star out of that group. And, like, I remember my homeboys, like, this was back in that mixtape era where you had, uh, DJ Clue really popping off and all his affiliates. So you had, you know, Fabulous, and you had Joe Budden, and you had um, the A-Team with Hitchcock and Ransom. And then yeah. Had, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had the Riot Squad, and you had Stack Bundles and all that. So 
Like, I remember my homeboy used to always play stack bundles and, you know, Riot Squad and, you know, stack. Like, he was always cool to me. And, you know, that whole little squad up ad-lib that he had, you know, had to grow on me and his voice had to grow on me. But, you know, um, no disrespect, but, you know, he was just kind of cool to me. Um, he had to stand out joints like I love that song that bundles hot. Now you remember that song? Oh, vaguely. Yeah, I think I played the mess out of it. I had the freeway sample, but um, um, whenever I heard that mixtape tracks, uh, Chinks was always the one that stood out to me. And it's, I guess, to make an analogy, um, it's kind of like Lloyd Banks or G Unit, where. You know, like, Lloyd Banks is kind of like the lyrical powerhouse and everybody else just kind of adds different type of flavor to it. Um, you know, Chink's verses always, you know, stood out to me, but I really didn't hear him too much. And um, I guess come to find out, you know, later is because, you know, he got locked up for five years. And so, like, a lot of that Riot Squad stuff he wasn't on, and, you know, just going back and looking through a lot of the mixtapes, like, he wasn't on, like, a lot of their songs. And um, looking back at some of the interviews, um, when Stack Bundles got killed, Chinks was in jail. And um, I always kind of remembered him because, um, you know, every time something happens, like when you have a rap crew and, like, the leader of it gets killed or something like that, everybody else kind of falls off. But I remember I started seeing Chink's name, and I was like, oh, you know, that's what's up. You know, this is something that's rare. Like, you never see somebody who, after the leader gets knocked off, they just keep doing that thing. So, and, you know, I remember that I used to like his verses a whole lot, you know, even more than Stack. So, it, you know, even though sometimes I didn't necessarily listen to the song, every time I saw his name, you know, it just kind of made me happy <laughs> that, yeah. you know, he was still doing his thing even after, uh, you know, Stax died because, you know, you look at Junior Mafia after Biggie, you look at, you know, so many different situations like that. That's usually not the case. And then um, when you look at, you know, French Montana and Max B, where Max B was like the main draw at the time, the bigger artist, and then when he got locked up, people kind of counted French out, and French kept going and, you know, rose to bigger prominence, and, you know, he and Chinks kind of um, bonded over that, and then they made Coke Boys, and Chinks just started popping, and I think it was when Coke Boys 3 dropped when they when he had that song, um, I'm a Coke Boy, uh, produced by Harry Fraud, and I listened to that. And I did listen to a couple of his joints here and there, and I was like, this ain't the same Chinks, because it sounds like he's trying to, like, kind of adopt a South-type flow where, you know, back in Riot Squad, it was more traditional New York lyrical-type stuff. But mm. when I heard uh, I'm a Coke Boy, and it was like they flipped the whole N.W.A.-type thing with that mixtape, and then... um Chinks is like he kind of perfected that kind of flow that I didn't like at first, but it was over those New York drums that Harry Fraud had, and like when I heard it, I was like, "Oh man, this joint is like rocking right here." So ever since then, you know, I was you know whenever I saw Chinks, you know, I would check for the record, and 
I was like, damn, you know, that's what's up. Like, you know, he he made it through all that adversity of, you know, the leader of his crew being killed, him going to jail, and he's still doing his thing. So, you know, I was like, damn, like he's and he was, you know, part of the new New York sound of bringing that whole New York back. So, you know, I, I you know, I definitely was, you know, messing with him because. Like, a lot of his songs, you know, they weren't necessarily the most lyrical type of songs, but they made you feel good. So, then, um, you know, Coke Boys or whatever, they had their situation with, uh, or, or like French Montana, you know, he, uh, they got signed with Bad Boy and Maybach Music Group. And then that Coke Boys song got remixed, and it had Diddy and Rick Ross on it. And I was like, wow, like, this dude came from a no-name on the mixtapes when I was in high school all these years later is doing stuff with like the biggest people in the game and I'm like that's what's up and like even recently I've been um, riding around to that uh, single that he had out uh, a little while ago um, give a fuck about show feelings I don't know if you remember that mm-hmm. but um so all of that together um you know just me kind of you know just keeping track of his rise throughout the years to see that he was gunned down like that, um, you know, it kind of hit me because it's like, damn, like, this is a dude who really shows that, you know, no matter what happens, you can do it. And then he just gets killed just like the leader of his old group. <laughs> and then um, I look back at a picture it was a stack bundles, and he had like some some dusty corn rolls and his middle finger up, and he had a free chinks uh, t-shirt on. His chinks was locked up, and it's like, damn, now they both gone, and it's just like, damn, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I remember. Um. You know, way back, you know, I guess the, uh, at this point with like the mid 2000s. And I think, yeah. um, I think they had like a, um, a section in one, in one, in one Smack DVD dedicated to, um, to Riot Squad. Yeah. And, um, I think that's how I got, I got kind of acquainted with them. But I do remember when, um, Stat, I know DJ Clue, he was on it quite a bit with Fabulous. And, um, I know Stat Bundles, he would pop up here and there. Um, and then sometimes, at certain instances, it would, like, cut to, like, the whole entire ride squad, and then they would pop out with a song. <laughs> I remember that, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, somehow, some way. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, I really never paid too much attention to them, um, to any of the ride squad, for real. Maybe stacks, like, a little bit, because mm. you kind of had to at one point um, on the Smack DVDs, because Clue was really pushing him in fabulous to a certain extent. But um, I do remember when you would uh you all you 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 mentioned change drugs quite a bit. I never really fell in line, but um, I became a bit more acquainted with both of them. Um, when Max B came to prominence, um, as you know, come to think about it, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense why you like them because I mean, you know, Stacks and Chinks and Max B, they're kind of like all within that same line. Yeah, lineage. Um, yeah, yeah, that lineage of New York cocaine music and dusty cornrows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I 
think you know some of like the Million Dollar Baby mixtapes. I, I think um, I think Jim Drum is on a couple of those songs. I think I know he had a lot of stacks on some of those mixtapes though, quite a bit, like toward the end of like damn near all his mixtapes. Yeah, because you uh, remember um, when Bird Gang formed, when Chinks was like locked up, um, you know Jim Jones got stacks, and he got Max B, and then you know the stacks got killed, and then Max B left. But um, Chinks, I was watching some old interview, and um, I think Chinks said that Jim Jones was trying to get him too, and then you know when he got out. Um, you know, after Sax got killed, he was around, um, you know, just because of the relationship with Sax, he was around Max B and French Montana a lot. Um, and then once Max B got locked up, he and French Montana just had this whole attitude of, yo, we got to keep going. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that that whole thing about both of them, you know, even though... Um, I don't necessarily like all of their music. Um, it's something that really impressed me about them. And it's crazy because, like, I was just watching this video um, that, uh, damn, I can't remember the name of the DJ, but he, I think DJ Bobby Trends, he just dropped it. Um, it was uh, Chinks and, um, and Vado, and they were going over the deep cover beat, kind of like how Fat Joe and... Um, and uh, Big Pun did it, and that shit was just ill. And I was like, damn, like, this dude really had a lot of potential that, um, and, you know, he really could have done something. And I do think that he was, uh, I, I believe they said he was writing for French a little bit. So, um, I don't know, like, that whole sound that he cultivated, like, that whole type of flow. You know how, like, Coke Boys and Fresh Montana they got their own type of flow and everything like that. Like, I really think they were building something that, you know, didn't get to see its full potential. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, going back and listening to it, though, I'm kind of conflicted because, you know, he got shot up and, and and killed, and it's like, yo, you know, you are part of the Coke Boys. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that mixtape was called NWC Niggas with the Coke. Yeah. And it's a lot of gun talk and ratchetry going on in the music. And I guess it's one of those things of, you know, what you live by is what you die by. And it's the same thing with Stax. And it's just like, damn. I mean, you know, he was cleaning up a little bit. You know, he dropped the drugs from his name, so he wasn't Chink's drugs. He was just Chink's. And, um... You know, he had his wife and all that. I think there's a controversy now because um, apparently, you know, there were pictures of him and uh, Khloe Kardashian's best friend, and apparently that was, like, his girlfriend, and she was all upset, too. And then uh, apparently he used to mess with Erica Mina before, and so she said something about how it was disrespectful for the girlfriend to be, you know, talking when it should be about the wife and the family because he had three kids with the mm-hmm. wife and um people were coming to Eric Mena like you know you were in the same situation with him so you know how can you talk so that's kind of um interesting but that just lets me know that you know he he really has started to ascend into those uh higher echelon Illuminati type, type circles 
probably would have at least been on the a reality show or something soon, you know, and been a household name. Yeah, you, you know, it's kind of crazy that that we're to the point now with all this um love and hip hop type shit that we have to we have to start mentioning their names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, you know, we're having this conversation right now, but. A lot of people don't know, like, who Chinks is. And it's like, when you start to connect them with these names that are on these reality shows, it's like, oh, now there's somebody. Like, never mind what you remember from high school, <laughs> like, 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. Once you connect them with this name, now all of a sudden they're important. Right. But, I mean, it's kind of, matter of fact, you know what, I think, um, um, I, I, this is, this is, well, it, it all relates, but, um, just how I told you that one time, or I mentioned on, like, some of the pre- a previous episode where I just walked past the TV and I saw, um, Saigon and, um, and Peter Guns. Mm-hmm. One time, um, I was eating and my mother just turned on Keep Me Up with the Kardashians and I see French Montana in the club hooked up with um the 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 one that Lamar used to be with or whatever. Uh Chloe. Yeah, 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 Chloe Kardashian. And I actually I am pretty sure I saw Change of Drugs in the background at a club. Yeah, like I was looking at something. Apparently when they all got together they called themselves the Wolf Pack. So you know T M Z and all the gossip sites or media take out or whatever you you know, they're taking us all and running with it, um, you know, according to that angle. And apparently they all used to hang out real tough, so. Okay, of course. So, yeah, he, but, was, uh, he was moving in them circles. It wasn't like, you know, <clears throat> he was one of these dudes who just out with a buzz and, you know, was going to fizzle out at some point. I mean, yeah, and, um... You know, I, I, um, you, you mentioned the new New York and, and just how I guess we I asked you about Mumblecore. Um, I think in the previous episode, um, is this also like a new term, a term that's been like going around? I mean, it's like I think it really started with uh, True Life. Remember that um, new New York mixtape he had, and he had that joint that was produced by Nice Wonder. Mhm. And um, I think that was the beginning of it. But I guess now, when you think of the new New York, you think of this new cast of characters, like, um, and it's kind of crazy because you know it ranges from a Joey Badass and the Action Bronson to a Chinks Drugs and the French Montana. Or like uh, um, Bobby Shmurda, you know, just all the resurgence of uh, New York hip hop that's going on, and you know, they're actually getting played a little bit, and you know, people are starting to know about them because, you know, for a long time, the only new New York rapper that you had was Nicki Minaj. Well, when I think of New New York, I think of like. I guess more of a distinct sound, and I was thinking about it, and maybe you could probably even go back and like kind of 
argue that a lot of this started with Dipset in a way, because a lot of these people that you know that, that were mentioning they had some type of weird, um, you know, some some they they some type of weird affiliation with them or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you track their lineage back and everything like that, I think I don't know. I guess like you know everything goes in cycles and waves, like. I would say that Dipset was the end of the old New York because kind of after G-Unit and Dipset, well, really it was kind of G-Unit that kind of killed it. Um, you know, a lot of people credit 50 Cent with uh, single-handedly destroying New York hip-hop. <laughs> but um, pretty much after him, that's when the South, you know, had its rise around like 2005. And... You know, they've had a grip on it pretty much ever since. And then now you have some guys who are, you know, coming up. You know, maybe they do some songs and stuff. But, like, I guess, you know, when you think of the New York, like how you said, a a particular sound, I think even though you have all these different artists with all these various sounds, they still incorporate some sort of traditional New York hip-hop into it, like, you know, of course, Joey Badass and Action Bronson, they're like, you know, straight, not straight boom bap with Action Bronson, but, you know, they are more on the boom bap type side. But even like a Chinks or like a um, French, you know, they eat, you know, even though they kind of lean southern, um, a lot of their joints, especially when Harry Fraud is producing them, they still have that New York kind of boom back. So even like an ASAP Rocky or whatever, you know, um, mm-hmm. it still has that kind of New York boom back, you know, that kick drum that's going to crack in the headphones. Right. And like, I guess, um, when you think about French Montana and he had that, oh man, what was that song that he had, uh, with that sample, um, and they had like a million different remixes to it. Um, it kind of had that same Coke Boys type, but I can't think of the song right now, but it was like the song that kind of solidified French as a solo artist to me. Um, mm. But um, I think um, I think all of them, even though they might, you know, maybe lean south a little bit, they still have that, that sound that can still be considered, you know, New New York. Yeah, well, you know, I think with the um, with the new New York, I like I don't really equate it with beats per se. I, I think if anything, I would say it's more like their, their flow. Mm. And if you think of because you know it's it's something about like you know like the South they have like that that, that particular flow, and even like the South, you know, they're coming out with you know new new and new new different talents. So you know you have your J Electronicas, although. He's pretty much east. No, he's pretty much east coast though, for real. Yeah. Um, and you have um, you have you know people like uh, dang, what's his name? Um, the the guy who makes all the beats and he raps and all this stuff is like really relaxing. I can't think of his name right now. Um, guy who makes all the beats and he raps. You're talking about um, real nice, relaxed Bob. Nice beats. From the South? Yeah, yeah, he was randomly on one six and park. Oh, 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 big crit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big crit. <laughs> um 
And, you know, and, and you, you go from that, and then you even have, um, like, people like Tree. I, th- I think Tree is from the South. No, he, no, he's from Chicago, actually. Never mind. But, you know, like, with, like, the types of, like, the types of flows from the new New York. So, you know, you have Max B and his different type, his flow, and with this mix of, I guess, like, that dipset sound, but still with that, that wave, whatever the wave, whatever the wave is, we just had it. And, um, you know, then you have people like Rock Marciano. He has like kind of like a, a distinct type of flow laid back. That's kind of, as you ask me, it's kind of um, it harkens back to um, to Buck, the Buckshot on the "I Got You" open remix. Yeah. In a way. Um. So I think if I had to say that, I would I would say more more with the flow, but then with the G unit, I don't really count G unit. I don't. I don't know. It's something about Gene. I mean, it was New. It was New York, but I really just. It was just. It, it was his own thing to a certain extent. And I really think that Fifty Cent kind of single-handedly destroyed hip hop. Because you think about it, to a certain extent, his album was like after 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 his album, there weren't really like any rap albums that really even made it close. To a certain extent, other other than Eminem, but then are we really want to call Eminem true true hip hop? Oh man, that's a whole another uh, discussion. But of course, you got to call Eminem true true hip hop. I mean, yeah, I mean, you you know what I mean. <laughs> just I mean just the, the quirkiness of 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 all this shit. I mean, who's more quirky, Eminem or? Uh... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Dr. Octagon. Okay, yeah, but I, I mean, from a commercial standpoint. Okay. I mean, Eminem, you know, even though he had those, those quirky type records, you know, he had bars, he was spitting, and then he had very serious records at the same time. So I. I can't say Eminem is a real hip hop, but I see what you're saying about Fifty Cent, and what's interesting about uh, uh, what you're saying about Fifty Cent is I, I believe they made a conscious effort with a lot of Fifty Cent records and Junior records to make it not um, to make it, I guess, uh, coast ambiguous. Um, and I remember that song. Um, remember the song, "The Realest Niggas" with uh, Fifty Cent and Big. Yeah, and there was. Um, I remember I was watching or reading an interview with somebody, and they were like, you know, they purposely made the beat so that somebody from any type of uh, area could kind of vibe with it, and they didn't want it to kind of lean either way. And so, yeah, um, and you know, with his album too, because Fifty Cent, he, he, um, you know, he was like. He, he had to go sign with people out on the West Coast in order to make it. So, you know, he had that Dr. Dre and everything, you know, that influence. And it wasn't, you know, he wasn't really around too many New York people when he was making it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I guess he, his sound was kind of uh, regionally ambiguous. And um, aside from the beefing and stuff, that may have killed it as well. But um, I think that, you know, to, I guess, in defense of him, and this is something that he said recently, um, 
he was basically like, yo, after I got shot up, none of y'all niggas wanted to deal with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, F all y'all. <laughs> I'm not messing with y'all. And so he went and did his thing elsewhere, you know, just because y'all don't want to deal with me in New York, you know, the place where I'm from, you know, um, that's not going to stop me. So I kind of, you know, admire him for, you know, taking that step. Yeah. Yeah, man, like, um, I mean, because I, 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 I kind of just, like, thought about this, you know, just how June it was, and I don't think anyone was expecting in the club and the way it sounded. get that song because I, I don't really like it like from the first time I heard it to now it just sounds like a regular basic song that anybody could have made well, I don't really think it's a well, that, that's true but I think I think the thing about in the club is is the way is like the, the actual sound of it so like you have the strings and you know what we're talking about what 2001 right until 2003. So, you know, we're, we're still kind of in that, in the weird period, you know, like kind of, you know, Nelly, Dilemma, these really, uh, cheesy ass beats and whatnot made, you know, made, made on the Triton. Oh, yeah. And I'm not sure how that was made, but knowing how Dr. Dre is, I, the strings don't really, they, they sound, it, had, it was just a really big, big booming beat from the strings that were kind of rich to a certain extent down to the drums. And it just really sounded like, it, it, it sounded like, I feel, I feel like the beat alone from in the club just made it, made 50 Cent seem like he was something invincible and that like he was just like the second coming of Jesus, Jesus or some <laughs> type of shit. And you know what, I kind of agree with you there because... Like, I don't like the beat, but I can appreciate the beat because, like, when you really sit down, like, when you really sit down and listen to that beat and you start to hear things in it, like, um, just, like, when the strings hit on the kick drum and the stereo separation of the strings and how you feel like you're inside of it, kind of, and then... There's that little muted guitar part that goes on sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and it's like little details like that. Like even though the beat is kind of empty, there's, there's like these little details that, um, especially coming out of that early 2000s mixtape scene, nobody had that going on. Like, and then if you want to compare, um, like a Dipset to a G Unit, like or really anybody else, like, nobody sounds that crispy. And, like, if you play the songs back-to-back -back in the club, you know, that bass isn't going to hit you the same way um, as it is with you. Or it's not going to hit you with other people the same way that it is with 50 Cent and G-Unit. Even on some of that mixtape songs, like, uh, that G-Unit mixtape God's Plan, mm -hmm. like, the way that was mixed down, it was so clear versus like a Dipset Volume Four or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, like um, okay, so we, so all right, so we have Fifty Cent, two thousand three. Um, Purple Haze came out two thousand five, right? 
Did it? It was 2006. Oh, you know, because we just had, you just had the 10th anniversary, so it has to be 2005. Right, right. And when he came out, he, when he came out, and I, I don't know, maybe, I'm, it's probably a coincidence, but I just was kind of thinking about it. Um, you know, that was still kind of in the middle. It was, a, it was still pretty heated, you know, the battle between, you know, 50 and Cameron at that time. Yeah. And, you know, he, you know, how, how he comes out. He comes out with this epic sounding kind of beat that to a certain extent sounded kind of different, you know, than I guess your usual Cameron dipset type song. And the only other song that I can kind of think of with that type of like epicness to that beat is a random song that had Jewels and, um, Someone else on it from the Green Lantern, um, Alive on Arrival part oh, two or part three. Yeah, you remember yeah, that yeah. one? Yeah. And because I, I'm, I always try to go back and I can't really, cause you know, I can't even like the diplomatic communities, dipset Christmas. I, can, I really can't think of another beat that kind of sounded like that. And actually it was a bit richer than a lot of his other, a lot of other dipset beats to a certain extent too, I think. Oh, what song are you talking about from Cameron? Uh, Oh shit! I know you said it. Uh, get 'em girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get 'em girls. But even that was still kind of muddy. Like, like, like. I, I think a lot of those songs that Cam did, they were real epic and orchestral and everything. But you know, when you played them in certain things, it sounded kind of jumbled. Mm. Like, I think the song that was most epic to me. Uh, was this song on this album? I don't even know if it was on this album. Uh, the one... Oh, yeah, yeah, Down and Out. Mm. Because, like, that that song, it had the sample, it had, like, the same type of thing going on, but something about it, it was more clear, and, and, and it banged more. Well, it was a Kanye beat. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's one of the best beats in hip-hop. And it's interesting, because I was just listening to um, uh, Stack Bundles and Chinks. They got a freestyle over that beat. Hmm. And, um, I mean, well, that's right. And that joint, uh, Shake, off that album, they had that, too. But, yeah, get them, girl. Yeah, it's like Cameron was trying to go for that orchestral type of thing, but it's like he didn't have Dr. Dre, uh... <laughs> I mean, it, I, well, I mean, I think it was that, and probably, you know, um, that's obviously a sample, so, of course, you know, limit, limitations when it comes to the engineering. Because, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Cameron was actually kind of thinking, because, you know, it, it was, he, he was coming back out, too. I mean, it was like, a, it was supposed to be a second coming at Cameron to a certain extent. Yeah. And, you know, this is after what, um, this is right after, yeah, come home with me. Yep. Yeah, so of course, so he, so he he had to come out, you know, kind of big, and so maybe he kind of um, took took a, a page from Fifty Cent's playbook. Yeah, Even though true. if he did have Dre, Dre would have had opera singers in there, string. <laughs> <laughs> another um, another big sound and dipset record though was um, you remember Get Crunk Music? Oh yes, yeah, right, yeah. I think that was off of one of those Duke the God uh, albums. And um, I, I think I may have told this story on the podcast before, but, you know, I love that song, 
But it was so funny because right before I heard the song, I remember I was chilling with some people, and we were, and I, I was kind of making fun of Cameron versus, and I was like, yo, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the track like the Rudy Pooty Doody Moody or something like that. And he basically did that, like like whatever I was making fun of him for, he did that on that song, and he made it sound hard. <laughs> mm. I think he said the Rudy Pooty Doody Moody, what we usually do. I was like, okay, get them computers putin. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, I think Cameron, he's pretty overlooked as a lyricist because there aren't too many people who can kind of pull that stuff off. Yeah, I mean, going back and listening to him, like, even going back and listening to Come Home With Me, because um, I went back and listened to it again uh, fairly recently, um, you know, he he had one of those lyrical styles that was, you know, often imitated, never duplicated, and definitely slightly ahead of his time, I would say. Like, you know, he really brought something to the game with the way that he rapped. And when you look at his evolution as a rapper, I mean, you know, when you listen to... Uh, it's, it's funny because, like... You know, after that uh, Lord Finesse interview with um, Combat Jack, you know, I went back and listened to Lord Finesse, and I hear the big, like, I hear that same type of big L type of rap style in Lord Finesse. And then when you go back and listen to Children of the Corn, which is the group with uh, Big L, Cameron, Mace McGruff, and um, Mace, uh, they all had that kind of style. Mm. And then, you know, Cameron grew from there and developed into what he became. Yeah. You know, when... It, I, I'm not, I was never a big fan of coming home with me, but um, I, I, I always kind of... I always, well, and this, mind you, this is, you know, I haven't listened to the, to the album in almost 10 years at this point. And I think... Because whenever I think about that album, like certain songs that I kind of remember off the top of my head... It was a pretty. It was a. It was a an album of its time. Um, and I think compared to like a Purple Haze, it's a pretty timeless album. I mean, even even Killer Season to a certain extent. I mean, yeah, I think there's definitely more memorable, you know, you know, throughout the years. Um, I think. One of the only songs that you can just remember off top um, from Come Home With Me. Let me just see what was on there. Because one thing with Cameron is sometimes I get confused about which song is, what's on, um, is on which album. But Welcome to New York City because I had Jay-Z on it. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, Hey Ma, Boy Boy, and he had Oh Boy. I forgot about Boy Boy. <laughs> yeah, I thought that song was like the dumbest thing in the world. But like, you know, besides that, you can't really think of um, like like all these other songs. I really don't remember them. Like, I, like I'm looking at the titles and I don't remember what they sound like. I mean, well, I, I think I think Old Boy was even kind of a song of its time in a way, but. You, you know, it's it's one of those songs that will always be... I mean, you, just because a song, you know, I think a lot of people kind of 
get confused. You know, just because the song is of its time doesn't mean it's not good. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, what's interesting about sometimes songs of their time is that music purists might hate on a song that's a song of its time, but then venerate the song later on. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. And like, like for instance, all that old bad boy shit, all that shiny, uh, shiny suit era shit, and you know the staunch hip hop heads were just hating on all of it. But when you go back, you kind of have nostalgic memories for a lot of that stuff. I mean, you, I, based you know, based on like Combat Jack, I mean, you won't have seen to a certain extent, but it seems like Rosenberg is still kind of, um, you know, he's he's still pretty rigid. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I try to like, you know, I try to sit back and think about it. You know, I remember like you know watching hip, hypnotize and stuff like that on on the radio. I mean, on the TV and shit on the box. Yeah. But um, I don't know, like even like with Mace though. I you like, I, I was just thinking about Mace. <laughs> like the one thing, it's something. It's and I don't know, maybe it's because I, I had the single, but you know, twenty four hours to live, man, and. Well, oh, no, that was an amazing record to this day. Like, <laughs> I mean, that was—I mean, that didn't—that was a song that I think doesn't get its props now. But I mean, just the lineup that you had on there, and so many memorable lines, and then DMX coming and finishing it off. But like, even Styles P—if I had 24 hours to kick the bucket. I'll probably eat some fried chicken and drink a Nantucket. And you know what's crazy is I was just thinking about that song earlier when we talk about rappers and their progression. And mm. he's talking about eating some fried chicken and drinking a Nantucket. And now he's a vegan who works out in the street and has, um, I think he worked out with the bartenders and stuff and got himself together. And now he owns juice bars. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. <laughs> But yeah, man, 24 Hours to Live, man, that was a great song. But like, when I think of Mace, um, I think of um, Don't Push Me, because I'm close to the edge. Remember when they redid that? Yeah. Yeah, like, that shit was like so horrible and corny, at least to me at the time. But, you know, going back, you know, I kind of, you kind of remember those things with fondness. And another song that people have brought up, with that is uh, the Vanilla Ice joint, Ice Ice Baby. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't. I can't do that song. I, I, just, I, I tried. I just can't do it. I mean, for a commercial type record, anyways, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I like the beat. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I will say that that the, that the that they that the beat is better better than the actual sample. Yeah. But um, sometimes, uh Oh, um, I was gonna say, but uh, one thing that 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 people don't really go back to is uh, MC Hammer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've had been. <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to. I mean, I'm curious to um to go back and listen to like that one or two albums when uh, he was around Tupac. Yeah, I'm curious too. Yeah, I wonder how that'll be. I wonder. I mean, I wonder if he like whenever he does interviews, he ever talks about like Pac deeply, since you know MC Hammer is one of those, um, you know, pastors or whatever. Whatever he does now. 
Yeah, I was about to say, like, you know, he's a born-again Christian and, you know, fighting Jay-Z and the Illuminati. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but then, I mean, but you, you got to talk about, I mean, you got to talk about him, though. I mean, he was one of the first, you know, commercial rappers to a certain extent. I mean, he did it big. Yeah. He did, um... I guess when you think about Big Daddy Kane going commercial and how it didn't work for him because, you know, he came out a certain way and then changed up, you know, from my understanding, because I'm not um, deep on the history of MC Hammer, but, um, you know. Even sound. You said what? I said that even sounds funny, not deep on the history of MC Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, just saying that sentence, most of what I know from him is from the hook of the Rick Ross song. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. But, um, you know, from my understanding, he pretty much came out the way he was. And so, you know, it was accepted by who it was accepted by because that was what he always was. Whereas, you know, Big Daddy Kane was coming out with some 5% type stuff and... That changed up real quick. Yeah, but I mean, based on the Combat Jack interview, I think it didn't like Kane. Didn't he say that he, he did have success? Actually, off of the, like that album, that that chocolate shit, what he was doing. Oh yeah, I mean he had success off of the album, but it's like, um. I guess it's like what the dude uh, Tax Tone said on Twitter the other day, which, which you know, he, you know, he said, um, "Ja Rule sold way more records than Fabulous, but I bet Ja Rule would love to have Fabulous career right now." <laughs> hmm. You know, I, I think. I think if Ja Rule, if you really, if you really, really tried, hold see, but see, this, this is a whole different thing. That's a whole different story because topic. Because we know why Ja Rule isn't a one, but perhaps the primary reason is not because of the music so much. It's because Fifty Cent destroyed him, like how you destroyed hip hop. You know what? I kind of disagree. Okay. And you know, I've heard this point of view before, but um. Like, even before 50 Cent, you know, the, the uh, change from Veni Vedi Vici to whatever his second album was, was it Rule 336 or something like that? Yeah. The change was so drastic that he was already on his decline in the minds of the real, quote-unquote, real hip-hop heads. And 50 Cent just kind of exposed that. You know, I mean, yeah, but then remember, you know, he uh, Jabu clapped back. That, yeah, but that was too late. He should have clapped back way before. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I recall it. You know, I recall it getting to like you know, I think number five, number four on one hundred and six part. <laughs> that's one hundred and six part. That's not TRL. <laughs> that's it. I mean, well, I, I think that the thing about Ja Rule is that. Because, I mean, he sold, that 316 shit sold way more than Vinny Vici, if I, if I recall. But, 
the flow that he had is kind of coming back in style. So all he needs to do is get, you know, I guess like a, a, a Mike Will made it type beat and just do some mumble core. Go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so some auto tune. I wonder what Job Rule would sound like with auto tune. I mean, he probably wouldn't sound all that bad. I mean, because he, it's, I mean, it seems like he has like a lot of years of harmonizing compared to some of these people that we that will remain unnamed. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe he can he could probably actually use it to his advantage. And you know, Ashanti, I think Ashanti just just kind of died out between not being Nelly's girl and Boy Banks just getting on her about her sideburns on his on his you know classic mixtapes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I you know I just thought um, random thought. Fifty Cent is dropping a new single tomorrow on Power One Hundred Six. No, I'm in my bad. Power One Hundred Five. <laughs> Well, have you have you realized that his his album like his his album has yet to come out and it's been almost, almost like ten years, kind of sort of. <laughs> You're talking about the um the Street King Immortal. Yeah, but then wasn't there something that is that the album that's supposed to be like real ahead of its time that 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 was supposed to have AO technology on it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Remember that one album that he kept talking about? It's going to be high tech and all this other type of shit, and it has yet to come out. I don't know. I mean, maybe he scrapped it. I remember Jay Z said the same thing, and um, some song that he had with Timberland leaked out from it, but that's, that album never came out too. Hey, was that the same? Was that on the same thing that uh, when uh, um, the same album where he uh, that with the song with that what, that he had with Daft Punk came out? Jay Z. You remember the, you remember, you remember the, uh, the Jay Z and Daft Punk album? I mean, not album, um, song that could have randomly leaked. I think so. It probably was that same one because um, it was some Jay Z song that everybody said was real whack, and I thought it was real whack at first. But then going back and listening to it, it wasn't that bad. It just wasn't something that you really want to hear from Jay Z. Much the quality was really bad though. Yeah. Cause usually, you know, when you, you get like a throwaway Jay Z track, you just still bump it in the club, like uh, like Jock and Jay Z. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think that was intentional though. They, they, he knew damn well he he just he just threw that out because he knew it was a Kanye beat, and people will probably you know it would get played in New York, and it still kind of became. I mean, because you know, actually, did, did he do that during the uh, the B sides concert? No, he didn't actually. I don't think. Okay. And see, and that's the thing because if I think of like a B side of Jay Z's, I don't, I count, I count Jack and Jay Z is actually one of the singles. Well, yeah, I, I think he did put it out as a single. But, but it was like a free single though. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I think he put it out as like a promo record to see. You know how like sometimes artists put out those songs that are supposed to be for the album and they never end up on there. Yeah, but then they still throw it up. Yeah, because, like, Jay-Z, Jay-Z actually has a lot of those songs, now I'm thinking about it, because, like, I think after the Blueprint 3, I have, like, this whole other folder of songs that came out around the same time um, that that came out. Um, and Jock and Jay-Z was one of them. Um, 
And then I'm not sure if it was for this album or another one, but he had this one song. Um, I hear the people talk. Remember the song? Uh, vaguely. And he was like kind of did some prodigy on it. And then mm-hmm. um, he had a couple other joints, and then you know the songs that ended up on soundtracks and stuff like that, like the joint that he mm-hmm. had, um, the Brooklyn record with Santi Gold. Oh yeah, and don't forget about uh, the one that randomly no because Fabulous's album. That was, that was pretty much all of Jay-Z's album down there. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, when the money, when the money goes. goes. Yeah. Yeah, that song was hard. Now, did, um, because Jay-Z had two verses on there, right? But then I think his course was only on the fabulous version, right? Or was or did he have a verse on that, too? I think it was... I want to say that it was just that he was on the hook. If he was even on the hook, was he on the hook on that? I mean, I, I, I think he, I think he was. That's out of, out of that, or Fabulous said, or said his course or something like that. Yeah, I think Fabulous might have said his course. Okay. But like, um, that reminds me. You, uh, you remember that song, um, with Jay Z and, and uh, Slim Thug that never came out. Vaguely. And uh, I think on the one that actually came out, it was Bun B on there. And that the one with Jay-Z is so hard to find. That um, uh, uh, It was produced by the Neptunes. And it was like, um, I don't take them up to eat. I don't buy them. Oh, yeah. I ain't heard yeah. of that. Yeah, that song. That, um, that, was, that, that was on the same album as, uh, as uh, Wamp Wamp. Nah, 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 Wham Wham was on the Clips album. It was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was on uh, How Have No Fury. And uh, Some Thug was just on the hook, I believe, on there. Oh, that's right, it was. But um, I think that was on the same album as uh, Click Clack. Because well, well, I know he, I know he keeps Slim Thug. He had he like a similar song that had like the same type of verse on it. I mean, course on it. I want to say it was Click Clack. Okay. And it had like a Neptunes because uh, some thug had the whole album that was produced by um, Neptunes because he was on Star Trek, which kind of didn't really fit him, but some of the joints were kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you can have Roscoe P. Cole Chain on your label, then why not Slim, uh, Slim Thug? That's true. But, um... Is, uh, I think we've had like, this conversation like years ago. I think I've asked you: Is there a difference between Wham Wham and Womp Womp? Uh, I don't think so. I think somebody might have just labeled the um, the file wrong, unless somebody else out there has a song called Womp Womp. Yeah, you, you remember um, uh, Fiend? That's what I said. Oh, I, damn, I was about to say mystical. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was the same shit. Womp, 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 womp. Damn, that is I forgot all about Fiend. I mean, I didn't mean to listen to his... to one of his mixtapes because um, he, he killed it on uh, the uh, the Currency and Alchemist um, album. Damn, I still got to listen to that. I think I skimmed through the instrumentals to it. I don't know. I, it, it's just hard for me to listen to currency. Like, I just fucking gonna fall asleep. 
Man, I listen to um, damn, uh, I think it's is it Pilot Talk? No, it's not. It can't be Pilot Talk. Um, it's one. It's one of those things. Um, do you know the uh the song Three Sixty with him and Juicy J? Nah. I, th- I think you would like that, but it's like a, it's a real, it's a really laid back beat. You may kind of, like kind of, you may want to fall asleep, but it was like a really good, solid mixtape or album or whatever it was. I don't know, I don't know what it's like because he comes over with all types of crazy shit every other month's means. I know he and uh, Wiz are supposed to be doing something again. I feel like they do something. They do something every year. It seems. I feel like they haven't done anything in a long time. I remember they had like this one little halfway type project type thing with just these random songs that was kind of alright. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't really get with Wiz either. Have you listened uh, to Snoop Dogg's new album? I have not heard one song off that album. Uh, me neither. Um, I was uh, I, I saw a so-called leak version um, on YouTube. I clicked it though, but it was like nothing but a whole bunch of like old Snoop Dogg songs. So I don't know if that was, my, I guess, a new version of getting rickrolled or what. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, Snoop Dogg's album. I saw it on Spotify, and I was meaning to click it, but I don't know. I gotta be in the mood for that. I mean, it, it seems like um, because it, it seems like it's been getting like some pretty bad reviews, and I wonder if this if this will go down as like, um, you know, those um all around produced Pharrell albums that no one just kind of, everyone kind of just puts to the side and just never talk about as if never made it, kind of like um the one he did with Common, uh, what's it called? Universal Mind Control. Oh man, I forgot all about that album. <laughs> Yo, I, yo, I keep forgetting the album exists. Like, but see, that's the thing. They, they did like a pretty big rollout of that album, and they had the single part. He was on One Six and Park. Matter of fact, he was on the Apple commercial, I think, with that song. Yeah, like it didn't sell shit. No one ever talks about this album because you know what's crazy is like one day, I, I, one day in the past couple of months, I went through like Cameron's whole. I'm not Cameron, uh, Commons, whole discography, like, just to go back to all his old stuff and listen through it, and I just didn't include that album. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing, I mean, in, in, my, in my Commons discography, I have Universal Mind Control. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting album, because, you know, he's, for the first time, Common tries to get kind of abstract with it. But, you know, other than that, he's, you know, he's like this worldly conscious dude. I mean, well, I wouldn't say for the first time, because, like, the way we feel about Universal Mind Control, also people include that other album that he did. Um, you know, the one. Uh, the Electric Circus? Yeah, yeah, um, Electric Circus. Well, yeah, that was that was a pretty spacey album. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. That's his best. That's his best. Well, to me, it is. I, I know. I know you think it's B. I mean, it's a combination of B and Finder Forever, and what's dope that's about B and Finder Forever is that they both fit on one CD. 
So I just I so I just play those two albums as if they're one album. Well, see, I, I keep forgetting about finding cover because you know sometimes I have to like really like think about comments sometimes and like this is this whole track record for me to actually remember that I like them. <laughs> um, because if you think of because one time like back like some years ago, um, I like got this whole discography. Um, I think up to this point. I think Universal Mind Control was the last one at this point. Mm. And uh, I, well, I listen to all of them. And if you th- I mean, especially like now, you that's like, that's a whole entire day, pretty much. Because, because <laughs> um, Can I Borrow a Dollar is, is rather long. Um, but yeah, Can I Borrow a Dollar, um, Find a Forever, I forgot all about Find a Forever. And, um, and Electric Circus. And uh, and um don't forget, I mean of course there's resurrection and then there's um the one that came out after that. So the one oh nobody smiling. Oh man, I forgot all about that. That came out last year. Yeah, but the the, the beats on there are really good, but I just don't like the I don't like the album. I mean, another one that people forget about is the one that came out before nobody smiling. <laughs> that that's one with Nas with Nas on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a song, Ghetto Dreams. Okay, because I, I thought I thought Resurrection... Oh, what the fuck is Re- Resurrection? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that, that album in my life. Resurrection is the one that had um, I Used to Love Her on there. Oh, he's talking about old bag in the day. Yeah. Man, he should, he should just call that album I Used to Love Her at this point. <laughs> I don't think Brown Sugar um, helped with uh, Common's legacy. I don't think anything Common is doing now is helping with his legacy. <laughs> what is he doing? He said something <laughs> stupid the other day, uh, like a little while ago. Um, or I'm not going to say something stupid, but he he said something about how, oh, he just sounded like some old Republican white man. Um, basically what he said was construed as black people just need to get over everything and just link up with white people. And it was very, uh, you know, mainstream Martin Luther Kingy. And so he caught a lot of backlash from, uh, or should I say blacklash from black Twitter. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. He won an Oscar. <laughs> And I'm sure he's won a Grammy at this point. At least he's nominated. No, I mean, I think Nas says he. I think Nas says won a Grammy by now. But um, uh, I'm pretty uh, sure yet. I don't know if Nas won a Grammy yet. Mm. I mean, it's funny to think that. I mean, and I think it's just kind of random compared to like a lot of other people. You know, that Method Man has won a Grammy. Yeah, like out of out of the pantheon of '90s hip hop uh, that people actually bang with, <laughs> yeah, Method Man got a Grammy. Like, and just you know, when you look, I I forget what the like what the list is, but when you look at all the artists, all the hip hop artists who won a Grammy, and how uh, I guess. Um, non-credible they are 
Yeah. But at least he got his little bit of shine. I know that's some controversy. Um, did Iggy Azalea win Rap Artist of the Year at BET Awards or something? Well, I'm not entirely sure. It's something, it's something that's going on about Iggy Azalea and the BET Awards or BET Hip Hop Awards or something like that. And, you know, mm. people are up in arms. Of course. But, um, I think the guy, uh, what's his name who started BET? Apparently he's supposed to be starting some new network mm. that, um, has something to do with black people. <laughs> It's probably just going to be a bunch of buffoonery, but who knows? Maybe it won't. I mean, well, you know, I, I think this is the perfect time to come out <clears throat> with, like, an Afrocentric channel to see if it can actually work. Oh, man. The uh, Fox News will have a field day with that one. I'm sure. I mean, but, I mean, I mean, you have, you know, Kenneth Lamar... Kendrick Lamar being uh, sworn into the state senate, and he does like a little speech that I didn't end, I didn't listen to. Oh yeah, because I'm kind of afraid. Of, I'm, I'm afraid of where he's going. <laughs> I, I feel I feel like he's going to become one of those. And, and you know, based on you know, we've already had this conversation. Based on that that nigga shit, I think he's just going to he's going to start preaching. I think that um, I think that the people that are around him won't allow him to do that. I mean, well, I mean, we'll see. But I mean, like, there's a like when you think about preaching, right? Like, you know, sometimes you just have some information that you just have to get out to the people, right? Mm-hmm. So how could he have done that and not been preaching? Because okay. I think that he wasn't really. I mean, like it was preaching when. I mean, I guess it was kind of preaching. Like he was actually preaching on the album when they got into the fight, and he was like really preaching to them about why they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. But then he got into the verse and broke it down in a non-preachy kind of way. But, but, but he, he broke the verse down as he was still, as he was still in the same monologue of preaching. And it was the same preaching monologue. He, he, he decided that the shit is so good and people need to hear that he decided, he decided to break his verse down. He couldn't creatively break it down within the verse. But then, I mean, I think he did it anyway toward the end. He said, you know, we, I'm not I'm not a nigga no more. I'm a nigga, so whatever he says. He said, oh, he's the realest nigga alive." No, okay, like, uh, okay. Well, then, but it was. I know he can't. He has to do something. So, like, um, if he would have spit that same verse to a beat on a song, would it have not been preaching? Okay, maybe if he did it as spoken word, or, or or something like that, you know, we but 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 I don't know, like spoken word, when like 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 when you're doing some spoken word about some black stuff, 
Yeah, and it just like connotates preaching. Like no matter what you do, it's preaching. Well, yeah, that's a that's a really good point because um, uh, you know, you know, like when you on two dope boards or, or now nowadays on hip hop blog, you'll see, you know, like a random chick, and then you know, like at the bottom, they'll say, you know, um, this is what this is what's good right now. We need this out here right now, something like that. And then it's like a music video, and you know you see like an Afrocentric chick or a guy walking throughout the streets of New York or some shit, and then it's like black and white, and then next thing you know, it's some shit about like it just starts off like I love my black people or some shit like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it was some some song. <laughs> Uh, I tried to get through it. It was like three and a half minutes long. I, I couldn't take it. It was, it was so fucking corny. Like, oh, I thought like a Carol's daughter ad was about to come on or something. But I mean, like, what? I mean, I mean, what about um, Brown Skin Lady by Black Star? It's a. I mean, it's. I mean, I believe I did say that um, I do like that song. Yeah, but, like, the way, I mean, just the way it comes on with that skit in the beginning, like, it's it's one of those, like, real preachy songs that um, when you run into, like, a late 30s, early 40s type of um, former Ruckus Records fan, um <laughs> With, with one of those type of hats and stuff like that. Um, they always bring that song up. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 like the type of dude that's going to preach to you is the type of dude who listens to that song at least once a week. Yeah, and I, I, I hate people like that. <laughs> but see, I think the thing is, though, like, I've never really experienced that. Like, you're the only other, only other person on, on the earth right now that I, I've ever had a conversation about brown skin, about that song. Oh, um, but, I mean, I don't know. I think it was still done a bit differently, you know, because, you know, I think, again, like, I think it, um, it, it really danced along the line between being corny, corny and not corny, kind of like how, um, J. Ruse can't stop the profit, did. Yeah. Or, like, what about, um, Man, it's just like all these different songs that are coming to my head like uh right now. Like when you think about uh India Ari. Yes, I was never a big fan of her anyway. Mm. Um I would say that Jill Scott is probably a less less corny version of her. Mm. <laughs> to a certain extent. I mean she's talented though. I mean like even like like Esperanza Sp- Spalding. Mm-hmm. And the the album that she the album she came out with after her 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 breakout album that ended up getting her a Grammy the first single was called Black Gold oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it was a festival with nothing but a whole bunch of people with afros and you know she had like some type of other jazz singer with her and they just looked all happy you know clanging on their piano keys and, and their strings and guitars and whatnot, just talking about black gold, that's, that's what we are. And shit. That was fun. But then, you know, but then sometimes you just gotta, you know, go away from that. Because that's the thing, I mean, because that is the commercial form of Afrocentric, of Afrocentric music. 
It just yeah. is, you know. But I mean, like, is it better to have that than nothing? I mean, hey, man, it you know, it, 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 it's the same thing with, you know, your, your trap music and your, your drill music. It's just for a certain audience. Mm. Um, and I don't know, I think sometimes, I think stuff like that drives me equal, just as crazy as some of the other things I complain about on, on the radio now. I guess um, going back to Common, um, I don't know if you remember his performance at the Grammys with John Legend. Um, for his song that he did about uh, Selma and all that, or for the soundtrack, and he had some mm-hmm. famous white people in the audience, like, shedding tears and stuff. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Man, it was very, uh, I mean, that's, you know, if you want to be Afrocentric for the mainstream, you got to do that. I mean, yeah, but then the thing is, who's going to remember that song five years from now? Yeah, I, I, I was in some podcast and somebody was saying like, you know, it's a good song. I really like it, but I'm not gonna bump that song. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the same thing with you know Three Six Mafia. Um, who 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 really cares about the um the Hustle and Flow soundtrack? I'm like, you know, it's like you and me. Yeah. You know, they just people just listen to it because it was around, and you know the commercials, and they watch TV, and probably just you know got it was catchy to them. Yeah, but they're not gonna go back and listen to uh, um, still get my dick sucked by the whole that love the fuck. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I think at this point they probably won't. Not surprised. I mean. We know that Baltimore was very distinct anyway, and, and surprisingly enough, people went back and listened to it. It was it, here, I mean, in Baltimore at least, but maybe it was either they just went back and listened to it, or we were just so behind that it was just new to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah, but, um, you know, thinking about... Snoop Dogg and how he's been coming out like he's been doing like an, an album a year right ever since like 2012 2013 right yeah seems like it um and then he still has you know the the the, the um the sequel to um the uh, the punk album yeah Snoop Zilla or whatever yeah um and there you know there are other people who are doing this you know how we have Ghostface who is also coming out with a whole bunch of um, albums at a very high value. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't really know what to think about it. I mean, because between, you know, we, we know that we, he has tw- the, sec- the sequel of 12 Reasons to Die coming out. He told me the other day that he's working on Supreme Clientele 2. Uh, what is it? The term Cream? The Cream Chronicles? <laughs> Like that, um, but yeah, man, all, all these albums. But I think what's interesting about 
on these ghost race albums, the all of these all of them have been with some type of band who've been doing just lush live instrumentation. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you know these are just you know these, these songs are rather old. He's done like he, he's done them years ago, or is he like standing in the studio and just knocking them all out? I mean, at least with the Twelve Reasons to Die, I think that in particular he probably just knocked it all out because that followed the story. As a matter of fact, the one that came out after that that followed the story too because um, Cool G Rap and A Z were like part of the story, and so they were on a lot of the songs. So. I think he's just in there knocking them out. Okay, well, yeah, that was the one before this last one because we're on bad, the bad, not good one, and that was the one before, before this one. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm thinking that maybe all these albums fit together story-wise because they all they all kind of sound similar to a certain extent. I mean, maybe it's just his voice deteriorating or something, but I don't know. Like, it's a, you know, there. I mean, there used to be the point in my life when a Ghostface album was a highlight. You know. <laughs> yeah. And I would wait for years and years to get this Ghostface album, and there was a point in my life when I had actually had physical copies of every Ghostface album. <laughs> But, you know, it's 2015 right now. <laughs> That's what I got to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, he's still in my top five or whatever, but, you know, after he did that, um, that, uh, Wizard of Poetry, it's like, I was waiting for another one of those. Oh, that's right, yeah, he did say, he, I forgot all about that, he said he wasn't going to curse no more, he a grown man, and all this, and now he has kids, and now he's talking about pimping, pimping bitches, and he has to see bamboo around the way. <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, did, you have, did you listen to the Bad Not Good one yet? Um, I did listen to some of it a little bit more, and I do like it a lot better than the other ones. I mean, I mean, I, I, surprisingly, I mean, I, I, genu- I genuinely, I like it. Mm. Um, you know, I think, I think, I, I could, I think, I could probably get it. I'm, I'm still on the fence about it, but I know it's at least three and a half. I'm not entirely sure about four though. Mm. But um, because you know, it's always good to, to see Ghostface and MF Doom together. But um, I think oh, yeah, that's actually supposed to come out too. Yeah, yeah, see, and see, and I was going, I was going to bring that up too. That so he's coming out with all these albums. Maybe the MF Doom thing will finally be finished. Yeah, I think he did say something in an interview about how they're supposed to come out soon. So, I mean, right now we have Ghostface and MF Doom. They're supposed to come out. We have Supreme Clientele too, which he said is eighty, ninety percent done, and it has been for like four years. And we have the 12 Reasons to Die Part 2, which is probably going to come out with some type of comic book and stuff. But yeah, I think it is. Oh, go ahead. I think it is. Yeah, it seems to me like he's trying to uh, capitalize off uh, Adrian Young 
you know, being that he just came out with that uh, Prime album with DJ Premier and uh, Royce, and they're supposed to be working on Prime too, actually. And um, Adrian Young is supposed to be making some music just for that, for a DJ Premier sample. And um, so, yeah, Ghostface, you got a lot going on. I wouldn't be surprised if he tried to turn 12 um, Reasons to Die into like a cartoon or some type of adult swim movie or something like that. I mean, yeah, but it's, well, yeah, well, come to think about it, um, if you, if you think about, um, another, because, you know, we, we've talked about Ghostface's, um, his voice and how it just, it's kind of just changed. Yeah. Um, you know, another person who has done that is MF Doom. His voice is not the same. It is totally different. And it's kind of like the same as Ghostface in a way that it, they went from these distinct, um, voices, you know, MF Doom with the, with the monotone voice and ghost face with the, well, I guess just that kind of, I guess I don't know, a kind of like a smooth voice that had swag in it or whatever like that. Yeah. Um, and they both turned to these kind of groggy, dusty type of voices. They, they sound like they, <laughs> they, they sound, they sound like this, they're just gonna just die any minute or something like that. I will say that it seems like enough Doom, his voice has gotten a bit more better though. Um, it's not it's not as like all over the place as it once was. I mean, hopefully Ghostface will, you know, return to form as well, you know, lyrically and voice wise. Because I think one of Ghostface problems with these albums um, is, you know, adhering to a story so strictly. You know it sometimes lyrically to get your point across and move to the next plot point in the story, you know, you're going to sacrifice some lyrical uh, dexterity or whatever. And I think that is one of my big problems with a lot of these albums that he's been doing. And I guess that's kind of why I like the bad, not good one, because he's not trying to stick to a storyline. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you think about it, though, has there really been that one hip-hop album that's really adhered to the entire story? Good Kid, Man City. Oh, maybe that's why I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you got Good Kid, Man City. Of course, you have these Ghostface albums. Um, I guess Sticky Fingers album, but that kind of trailed off and, you know... Wasn't uh, wasn't Mister wasn't Mister Cheeks album wasn't that supposed to be a story? Uh, I don't know. I've never listened to Mister Cheeks album. Um. (laughs) 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 You know, you know, I, I I I love the Lost Boys. You know, I'm an avid Queens hip hop fan. I guess that's why, like, I, like, I guess that's another reason why, you know, I um I have an affinity for like Chinks and Riot Squad because it's all out of Queens and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, a Mr. Cheek solo album is not something I'll ever listen to. Not to say that I won't one day because I did like that one song that he had, Lights, Camera, Action, or whatever. But yeah. yeah. Okay, well, um, 
That's why it's so much better. Um, I'm trying to think of an album that stuck to a storyline. Oh, there's uh, 88 Keys. Okay, yeah, I, I was going to mention him. Well, see, the thing about the 88 Keys album is that, I mean, it kind of it does, but it's, I think it's a bit different because when I think of a hip-hop album that has a story, I don't expect to hear a whole bunch of um, neo-soul on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, of course, he can stick to the story pretty much because he... He's really only on like four or five songs. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's um. Oh how how could we forget one of the greatest, the architect of this whole story hip hop album thing? Who I Biggie? Think you know who I have to say right now? Um, probably Biggie or RZA. Nah, nah, nah. Later. Album that you don't like that I played the mess out of. Okay, we got good kid in that city out the way. Um, earlier, way earlier. Damn. Um. Two thousand one. Oh shit! Chronic. No, 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 that came out ninety nine. Oh man, out? I can't believe that you can't think of this right now. Oh, what is it? Master Ace. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> disposable arts, man. I mean, it, it kind of sticks to a story, but I feel like the songs that he that that make up the story... They don't really directly move the story along. I think it's really just the feeling and the vibes from the actual songs that move the story along. If that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean it's kind of similar with um with Good Kid, Mad City as well, and um another album. I mean, you know, Master Ace he kind of like fell into that whole genre, and then when he did the whole EMC thing, that whole album was like a story. You know, all of his albums are a story, though. I mean, you know, The Slaughterhouse. Yeah. This is a pretty damn good album, if I can say so myself. I don't know. I don't think I've even listened to that album. I gotta go, I've been meaning to go back and listen to it. And I feel like yeah. everything points for me to listen to that album because Slaughterhouse is named after that, I believe, the group. And mm-hmm. then, um... I think my first memory of Master Ace was on that record with Eminem. Mm-hmm. With the um, sample from uh, Soul Edge before it was called Soul Calibur. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it was, um, I, I really didn't think that I would like it, but um, I do surprisingly. Everything's uh everything's on point for the most part. That's what's up because um I think I think one time I was in uh I think I was in Metro Two at Rice Road Plaza and I got this old old Master Ace album. It was like a greatest hit to like his stuff from like the eighties. 
mess out of that after I heard Disposable Arts. And then once the internet came around, I started downloading a whole bunch of his tracks. And uh, it was some album. Was it called PTA, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? I'm not sure if that was the name of the album oh. or not. But oh, it's been sitting on Chrome. Yeah, it's sitting on Chrome. And I heard most of that album, and I was just like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> like, like, how do you go, like, because my experience with Master Ace is from, two, like, you know, listening to him in the 2000s and listening to him in the 80s. So I'm like, oh, man, I know you must have had some crazy shit in the 90s. And I hear just some crazy West Coast planes, trains, and automobiles. I'm like, what? <laughs> I got. I, I mean, I do have to revisit that because I've heard that that album is actually good and conceptual and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it. Uh, I think it was two dope boys. One, someone they did like a little um, thing about its anniversary. Um, yeah, I do remember them talking a bit about it um, on one I've seen. So, you know, I think I think Master Ace is definitely one of the most underrated rappers ever. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. I don't know. You know, Eminem, you know, I think Eminem credits Master Ace a lot for his style. Seems like everyone they credit Cool G Rap and Master Ace, and they just... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I feel like they get so much treated. I mean, at least, like, you have, at least Necro, I'm hooked up with a Cool G Rap. Yeah, yeah, matter of fact, yeah, I, I gotta listen to that album. But you know, Master Ace has, uh, MS. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I mean, he still tours, though, all over the world. Yeah. That, um, that story that he told about, you know, when he fell on stage, though, that shit was crazy. Yeah. It was interesting is, um, you know, the other rappers from EMC, I think Punchline, Wordsworth, and uh, Strickland, um, some of them had regular jobs. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one up when they were talking about that. Yeah, and it just, like, always makes me think about, you know, just the just the varying ways that your music career can operate to where, like, one of them is, like, a school teacher, and... You know, he goes on tour during summer break or whatever, so he'll go out with Mass Ace and all of them overseas. I'm like, damn, like, that's a crazy way to live. <laughs> yeah. And, um, isn't, I think, isn't, like, word, isn't words worth the teacher? Or he, he works, like, like a real job? I think he's a teacher. And, like, punchline might be, like, a, I don't know what he is, but probably something with New York City. <laughs> it's kind of like um, kind of like curious. How um, get curious? Who was that? <laughs> um, do you remember the song "Question Mark" off MF Doom's first album? Vaguely, yeah. Okay, well, if you if you ever saw the video, um, he's like the he's a Hispanic dude on there. But um, you know, before before that, he actually had a career, and um, I think it was 
I think it was uh, he was under MC Surge, and um, he had um, constipated monkey for like ninety five, ninety six, I think. Mm. Um, and he had a song, "Not Walk Like a Duck." Um, yeah, 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 "Walk Like a Duck." Yeah, he had that song. Yeah, and um, and so like right now, I mean, pretty much his whole he doesn't really have much of a, a career, I guess you can say. But he just came out with the album not too long ago. I think he was one of the first guests on Cypher. Um, and he does like type of after school program or whatever like that, but he's trying to get back into, um, I guess getting, get, getting back in, into touring or whatever like that. But he did say psychedelics kind of messed him up. Mm. So I wonder what Joe Rogan had to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I know they do say that the psychedelics, um, you know, apparently it makes you confront you know, certain things sometimes and you might not be ready for it. And it's, you know, you, you know, whatever happens to you, they say you won't be the same person afterwards. <laughs> and, see, and that's the thing, because, I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like Joe Rogan, he just has, like, a, like a perfect life. You never, you never hear him talk about any kind of struggle in his life, and maybe this is why he can just freely taste psychedelics like that. You know, I thought the same thing. <laughs> I know at this point in my life, I'd fuck around, I'd fuck around be like Brian Wilson right now. If I if I really got deep in the acid or something like that. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, if I did it, it would have to be like peyote or like ayahuasca, you know, something from, a, from an actual plant. That's very true. I mean, yeah, but you know, you, you can you can die from a plane. So I think sometimes it doesn't really that that won't really save everything just because it comes from a plane. That's true, but I mean, I don't know, man. You got to open your third eye and see the universe sometimes, man. <laughs> hey, I mean, hey, man. All the Wu Tang, they wore they did PCP mostly. And they all turned out fine. Except that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. <laughs> but, know. you know, that's one out of how many. <laughs> man, man I, was, I was thinking, man, we, we could probably... I don't know. I, like, I have an idea, but I don't want to even want to take it. But I guess if they take it, hopefully they, do it, they, they could do it better than us. Um... It would be ill to do like an entire book on the killer bees. Do you know how hard that shit would be? I mean, that shit like a <laughs> that would be a deep undertaking in hip hop history, like a scholarly book. <laughs> yeah, and then like you can make some type of like weird. If we get like super academic, something like that, some type of weird, crazy, technical-looking map that, like, a family tree that 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 that, that shows how they all connect. Mm. And so, and then it, it kind of reminds me of how I remember that random song that RZA had that my brother always talks about. And I'm assuming it's around um, the the days of um um uh. When he was when he was working on the cure, and he um, talked about 
he talked about like like the New York City subway. He kind of like talked. He kind of like um, used it as like a metaphor for like the bloodstream or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, like doing some crazy shit like that or something. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. That seemed like something Nas would do. Yo, you mean like as a book or just like writing? I mean, like just like you know, on some song type stuff. Oh yeah, but, yeah. That does sound like really. That does sound like mad ilmatic. Yeah. <laughs> Seven, eight children? Something like that. 
wonder he has to do. Oh, this, I'm, this is my dad's issue. Did you know that um the man of the actress too is out on, on is out on Netflix? I not, did not know that. I still haven't seen the first one. Okay, well, <laughs> so um you know I was trying to sit down and even try to watch something on Netflix, and of course it pops up with my thing, you know, my my on my list of things I may like, <laughs> and um. I couldn't believe it because, you know, I would think that, you know, me of all people, I would probably know this, but, um, I said it's probably, it's probably some made, you know, made, made straight to DVD type shit, and it, it is. Oh, um, I, I guess the first one. Month it was supposed to, but I guess, the, you know, the first one, it barely broke even, so I guess they said, no, fuck that. But, um, also, the first one, it was directed by Eli Roth or, Eli Roth gave like a lot, a lot, like a lot of backing for it, and Rizzo was like a whole different type of person for the second one. So that's probably why they're getting type of Hollywood backing, mm. backing. I'm assuming. But I think pretty much the same people are in it though. I don't think Russell Crowe and uh, what's her name, um, Lucy Liu. I don't think she's in it though. But um, I, don't, I, I may watch it just because I mean it's a Rizzo movie. But um, the first one sucked ass though. The only good part about it was that it had Gordon Liu on it. I gotta get back into my kung fu movies. I think the last one I watched was was uh, It Man Two. I was writing in there. Was that because of our cousin? Um, actually, no. I think I saw it with my sister like years ago. Well, maybe she was talking about it, and then I saw it with our cousin. But yeah, yeah. like. That was a um, that was a good ass movie. Yeah, I mean it was. You know, it had a good storyline and it was good choreography. But I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just because you know how we were raised. You know, I I just like those Shaw brothers, those Shaw brother films. Oh yeah. You know, just like those random, those random ones that you know that we would get on VHS way back in the day at Lexington Market, right there by the door. <laughs> Yeah, I, but you know, uh, I, I I think when I saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I just saw the cinematography of it and some of those fight scenes, like with the flower petals or the leaves falling and everything. I was like, man, like this is what a kung fu movie can be. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's true. But I mean, but it was it was too lush, though, man. You know, I I need to see, you know, I, I gotta see the. The, the the real large jugs of wine and people just, you know, gulping it down before they start fighting. Then they smash it against the wall and then they get this thing. <laughs> Which, oh, I think that was, uh, that was the, uh, the man with the, the kid with the golden arm. Oh, yeah, man. Man, I forgot. I think my favorite one was Five Deadly Venoms. Hello? Yeah, you hear me? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I said my favorite one was um Five Deadly Venoms. Um yeah, I mean I mean yeah, I, I think that'd probably be my my favorite one too. But um And Super Ninjas. Yeah, that was that was a bloody ass film. Yeah, it was. Um I mean, but you know, but we can't forget about the the, the Jet Li ones though, like uh, like uh, 
Like Tai Chi Master. You remember that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... Jet Li, he was on point back in the day, actually, with his Kung Fu movies. I was kind of, like, surprised when people started hating on him. Like, you know, when he started getting those big blockbusters and everything like that, and people talking about, oh, he doesn't do his own stunts and this and that and whatever. I'm like, man, you know, I was always a Jet Li fan. Yeah. And then, like, he had, um, what was that movie when he came out with Double Hero? Oh, and, I didn't. I don't think I saw that one. And actually, even after that, he uh, he came off another like major Hollywood one. It, it was supposed to be like his final kung fu movie ever. And I'm not entirely sure if he if he stuck with that or not. I mean, what else is he gonna do? <laughs> um, well, he he did um, you know that uh, what's that shit called? Um, the the replacements, I think. That football movie. No, not, well, not, it's not us. No, it must be something different then. Um, no, it's like some type of thing that, uh, uh, Tony, no, Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone, he came up with, and it has him and Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jet Oh, Lee. oh the, uh, incredible, not Incredibles, um, I know what you're talking about, though, with all of the dudes from, and they all old as shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so pretty much, I mean, he's doing that, and apparently this, um, you know, it's pretty much turned into a franchise. I think they they're on three, and they event and they picked up Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think by, I think at the two, I think or something like that. Yeah, I did hear that. He's like damn near seventy. I mean, yeah, it's creepy. Um, and you, you know, I'm, I'm it's fast. He was on there though. You think they will get him, but maybe he doesn't. It seems like he wouldn't be. He wouldn't like to be involved in some fuckery like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from what I hear, he's uh, helping train UFC fighters now. So, well, that's make, well, actually, that makes sense because it seems. I, I know. I think on the past two Joe Rogan podcasts that um I've listened to, his name's come up. Yeah. So. Hmm. That's what's yeah. up. Yeah, man, we ain't even talk about this. Uh. Does UFC deal with Reebok? <laughs> I, I vaguely heard about it, but um, crazy. But um, we can talk about that another time. Um, yeah, it's getting a little late. Sprite, put a wrap on this one. Cool. So um, once again, everybody, channel ten podcast dot com, Twitter. Uh, SoundCloud, Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, everything, and all that, and all that. Uh, any last words for the peoples? Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, peace out. <laughs> peace. Feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. Roll up, son. You gotta just do it, yeah, yo. Man. Yo, roll up, man. Switch channels, son. Roll up, on, man. Roll up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Roll up, all good, baby, in every hood, Bridge. son. Roll up, yeah. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime late. Catch more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10.
again. Yeah.